Halflings, it has finally happened. We have merch! Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The crowd does indeed go wild. We have been working very hard behind the scenes to make some excellent merch for you all, which is available uh, to pre-order right now. Some of them will be available from the 3rd of October and the others from the 1st of November. We wanted to do this in time for the holidays so that if you know someone who maybe enjoys a bit of Three Black Halflings, you can get them a Christmas present or indeed for yourself. It's also a fantastic way to support the show. You basically have like a Unati pack, by the way. A Unati stickers pack. It's true. Pretty Ooh, awesome. Unati stickers pack. I like this. It's called the Suffer and Learn sticker pack, but originally it was called the Unati sticker pack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Okay. I'm happy with it, with the Suffer and Learn. We liked it because it's like, then it's quotes. Instead of just pictures of Unati's face. Several <laughs> different expressions. Yeah. It's weird because this is not a video show. Mm. You know what it is? It's uh, visualizations of the audio track. <laughs> or like Unati's audio tracks from some of her finest episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the it's just the blocked out lines where she's peaked her microphone yeah, from laughing. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the merch that we have available, we have a yellow collage hoodie, which has a mixture of designs and phrases from the show. The Three Black Halflings t-shirt, which has got an amazing design and the words Three Black Halflings. It looks so nice. I'm very happy with that one. Then we have uh, the Outlaws and Obelisks poster. You can order a physical yes. poster. A beautiful, gorgeous poster of Outlaws and Obelisks. Then we have a pin and then two whole sticker packs. I I have a question. Yes. Does this pin definitively answer the question of the official abbreviation for Three Black Halflings? I think it does. Yeah, I think it maybe it does. We've been saying TBH. Should we swatch? Should we swatch? Should we swatch? Should we start selling swatches? Should we start selling swatches? We have to tell about the deal with swatch. Black Halflings Swatch. The Three Black Halflings Swatch Watch. But, you know, this is one of those things that has evolved over time. We're, we're forming our brand identity, and I think 3BH is just a little bit better. We have officially become a corporation. We are a huge corporation with Jamal at the top. The top. Jamal is pleased. First critical role, then us. then us. There is also a tip jar on the store. If you would like to, you can give us a tip, and some of the proceeds will go to the amazing Jonathan Charles, who made the music for Outlaws and Obelisks. As when you donate to the tip jar at any level, you will be able to download the music that Jonathan has made for Outlaws and Obelisks and it trust me it is yes. absolutely incredible like you will want to listen to this good. without us all talking over the top of it because it's so <laughs> so so good I just <laughs> listen to it I listen to it for fun yes like it's, when I'm on planes and stuff, I'll just play the songs over and over again on a because loop. they're so good. This is a true fact. Because they're real good. They're really good. Excellent tunage. And some of the stickers, I'm very, very proud of. I really think they look so badass, and I can't wait to slap yes. them all over my office. I love the Poochie Rat Bag sticker that is extremely late '90s. Yes, it really is. It's extremely <laughs> late '90s. Make sure you head over to store.dftba.com forward slash collections forward slash three black halflings. 
And if you would like to get yourself a discount, you can get 10% off if you are a patron on any tier. That is patreon.com forward slash tbhalflinks. Woohoo! Uh, head over to all of our social medias. It will be plastered all over our social medias for a long, long, long time, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but please support the show. Buy some merch. It means a lot to us. And it would be really, really, really fucking cool to see some people take some pictures. It's a three Black Halflings merch. I'm so goddamn excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into this week's episode! <laughs> this is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, halflings! It's me, Jeremy Cobb, and I am joined today by... Leander Unati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati! Ha <laughs> ha! And... Mr. T. Steph calls me Jeremy Vacation Bible School Cobb. One of my all-time favorite nicknames. Immediately great. Mm. Only really works if you grew up in probably mostly American Christianity. I'm not sure if it really exists anywhere else in the world. But (laughs) for kids, they will, for context for people, uh, in like the summers and stuff, Mm -hmm. they will have, some churches will have like summer programs called Vacation Bible School, where kids will just go and basically in the evenings and afternoons, we'll just play and then get like a couple of, like a a Bible lesson or two. Okay, cool. Uh, And they call it Vacation Bible School. At least that was what they did at my school. But they are at my church, but there's I think there's probably a whole range of them. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that was inspired by the amount of uh, deep cut Christian lore that I included in Paradox Perfect. uh, (laughs) We played with Brendan Lee Mulligan. Yeah. Uh, There there's stuff that that I don't think any of you actually caught. Yeah. Because it's so the the Fox Book of Martyrs thing is a pun that I am deeply proud of to this day and almost no one gets it. Yeah. I knew that going in. It's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're not here to talk about uh, the Paradox Perfect game. Yeah. We are here to talk about uh, our Discord and some of the discourse that's been happening on it. That's right, folks. We're having a Discord discourse. For those of you who are not on the Discord, which, why aren't you? You should yeah, be. Yeah, you really should. It, it's so 110%. welcoming. 110%. Yes. Yeah. It's a great environment. Uh, there uh, there are a couple of channels that we're mainly drawing from. The main channel that we are drawing from is called Topics to Discuss on the Show. Oh, very, very, very misleading. Uh, <laughs> how so? <laughs> oh, no, that was, just, that, that, that was the end of the joke. That, that's as far as the joke went. Was very okay. Cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> add rim shot. <laughs> She'll be here all week, folks. Yeah. She'll be she here will. all week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, like it's my weird. sense of humor is sometimes really dry. Like sometimes people just can't tell that I'm joking. Honestly, I, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that dry humor. I don't know what the joke was. <laughs> very misleading. That's what I would say. Well, it what? was just like very misleading because it's very very clear. 
Okay. <laughs> so you were being you were being sarcastic yeah. about the fact that the 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 title of the channel is extremely prescriptive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now I'm with you. Yes. That that it's not is my a, finest work, a, but it is 10:30 in the morning. <laughs> it's an apt joke. Yeah. It's an apt joke. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for explaining. Warming up, warming up. I am someone for whom explaining the joke sometimes does make it better. Um, so the <laughs> this is a channel where people can, as the as the title suggests, suggest uh, suggest topics for us to talk about on the show. Oh. And so we're going to run through some of these. It's been a long time since we did any. I think I went back to like March or something. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go back and shout out each person who suggests a topic. First off, we're starting with the gift of Gabe's. Ooh. I have an idea for a topic to discuss. Complementing D&D with other games, specifically for traveling and world building. That, as well as merging, hacking, homebrewing, and so on. Basically how the systems, uh, excuse me, how the mechanics mm -hmm. of systems other than D&D &D and the mechanics of D&D &D itself shape gameplay and how that results in different gaming experiences for the players. Uh, I think that's a very interesting topic. I think that it is, uh, I think that... There, it is absolutely worth, especially if you have knowledge of other gaming systems, trying to draw things from them uh, in, in order to, like, incorporate it into D&D and just fold it in there. I personally almost did that for Outlaws and Obelisks. Uh, I was talking to James Mendez-Hodes, and he suggested that I take a look at... Uh, it was Powered by the Apocalypse... Oh, what was it? The, the, I feel like the word burning was involved. Uh, it involved like burning world or something to do with flames. I'd, I'd have to look. World burned over, maybe? World burned, o burned over? I don't know. Uh, something like that. But I was looking because it had elements in it that were similar to stuff that I was describing back when, I, when we were first building the setting. Uh, I didn't. I, I looked at it. I didn't incorporate any of it because I didn't understand how the system worked. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> but it, I can see how if yeah. a person did know how the system worked, yeah. they'd be able to then yeah. find equivalents within Dungeons and Dragons and sort of uh, and graft it in there. Yeah, I mean, like, I've sometimes, I think personally where I've done that is where I play my game with my, my lovely boys. Um, and uh, we have some, we have a were dolphin and some were carp in there. Yay! Um, and um, so essentially I was like, well, if you're a werewolf, type person um you're really two people right like it's a dr jekyll mr hyde situation like you mm. you have to have two sets of stats because i'm not just going to let you be a scientist who can also punch through a wall mm -hmm. like that you has be, to have you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? like the, the hulk kind of yeah like like you like it has to and even you can't the be hulk, smart hulk you can't yeah. be smart hulk you i mean like be... but even the hulk like bruce banner can't actually like Right. He can't punch through a wall. The Hulk right, can the punch Hulk through a wall. Yeah. So, like, there has to be two separate character sheets in my mind. I was like, oh, fuck it. Let's just do that. Um, and I just used, I took a Call of Cthulhu mechanic, which is basically, like, I just reworked a sanity check just mm. to, like, make sure, like, how, where are you? Like, are you, are you about to, are you about to flip out? Like, um, how, and because, like, part of the character um is they go to they go to therapy because they've got to like something horrible happened in the lab and that's why they're now aware dolphin and they're mm -hmm. trying to like work through all of those emotional triggers and i was like well if you are anxious and hyper stressed all the time because of this thing like kind of like ptsd right 
then mm, I need yeah. to give you a mechanic for that so that so that it feels more organic every time you wear out. Like it feels like yes. you can check like how this situation is really stressful, how are you coping? Yeah, like, that makes where perfect you sense. Yeah. Uh, I and think... I just did that as a shorthand because it made gameplay much more fun and he really had a, he really had a good time playing that way. Yeah. I personally <laughs> have not played enough. I haven't played Call of Cthulhu mm. and I don't think I've played enough different systems to be able to to address some of the issues that some people have complained about with D&D. I know that mm. people on our Discord have complained that D&D's RP is not systematized enough. The combat is yeah. very heavily systematized yeah. so for the most part. I mean, there's still yeah. a lot of leeway there, but yeah. in terms of like, you do this, then you, then you do this, then you do this, yeah. then you do this. These things can do these, this, 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 and this. These mm-hmm. things can do this, this, and this. Uh, whereas with RP, you don't have all that. You don't have AC. You yeah. don't have, I mean, there are RP spells, but they're really just spells that you are using that are, basically it's like a miniature combat, Yeah. Uh, but there's no initiative order. There's yeah. no like clear, there's like, there's no AC there. Yeah. The only stats really are going to be like wisdom and charisma in most cases. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although maybe intelligence, depending on what the conversation is, it's yeah. not as, it's not as heavily codified. Yeah. That doesn't bother me, but I know for some people it's an issue and they would prefer more detailed rp mechanics yeah Um, and then again i'm gonna draw on call of cthulhu because man like because of the very nature of the game like rp is the thing that is like that has mechanics right like mm. um if you build a character like one of my favorite characters that i've built was a was a a world war two nurse Mm. um who had come from jamaica to europe so then had some understanding of juju so like mm. then like that occult stat would be in there. Mm-hmm. And like so so when you're like playing like things or Yeah, yeah. When you're playing things or you're in a situation, um, it allows just for like, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm gonna put my foot forward and go, I have I have a stat to contribute to this, but also my cat so it just really drives your character's intentions and I found that really fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be that would definitely be an area. And I actually think in some cases it would be easier to take D&D mechanics and graft them onto other games, specifically the combat system, because Call of Cthulhu doesn't really have a combat system. It's just you try not to die. So then had some understanding right. of Juju. So like then like that occult stat would be in there. And like so so when you're like playing things or you, yeah, yeah. When you're playing things or you're in a situation, um, it allows just for like, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm gonna put my foot forward and go, I have I have a stat to contribute to this, but also my character mm-hmm. so it just really drives your character's intentions and I found that really fun. <laughs> it all runs together. Not so much. It's like it's just like survive. Mm-hmm. Um, like another example of of I mean, you've just made saying combat. You just made me think about like how the RP gets people, how the RP mechanics of Call of Cthulhu gets you into trying to survive and forces you to do that. So it's in the leg, but you like them at this point when back that my cat like run uh, stamp out this wound stop the blood flow and carry you on my shoulders out of here because i'm a fucking nurse and i'm gonna carry it for you but i can carry you, <laughs> you yeah i'm where, yeah and also i'm the only black person here and y'all dragged me out here we're leaving <laughs> we are leaving <laughs> i'm bad <They're> enough well- <laughs> 
<laughs> when I ran D and D celebration, there uh, <laughs> they ended up in a place where one of the black characters, yeah. or one of the black players, that yeah. is, realized that there was something horribly wrong there. And yeah. I was like, guys, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And one of the other one of the other characters uh, suddenly realized that he was black deep in his soul and was like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> and he was like, "We have to leave now. Why did we come here in the first place?" Yeah, this is not good. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it was really funny. But yeah. the yeah, I, I, I think that's very interesting. And to have uh have actual abilities mm. that you could use in Call of Cthulhu, at that point you're not playing Call of Cthulhu really anymore yeah. because I feel like that the well, you're playing a version of it, but yeah. like a version of Call of Cthulhu where you can effectively fight back, um, could work in terms of bringing horror mechanics into D D. Uh, but also in terms of potentially giving the players more agency in Call of Cthulhu, which doesn't seem to be the point of that no. game, but can, I imagine you could still have fun. I, with I, it. I think you can because I think there. I think part of the part of the fact that like everybody, it's it's a, it's astonishing if you survive a Call of Cthulhu game is that is like you're saying mm-hmm. is that there's not a really strong sort of combat mechanic, and like you yeah. you are fleeing basically <laughs> like. You, right, and you had basically you had to two, there's two choices: solve the puzzle that the DM has put before you, the GM has put before you. Um, once you've done that, get the fuck out of dodge, like like flee. Okay. Those are the only things you can do, and hopefully you don't die. And I still, to this day, I'm pretty sure it was the Jamaican in me that was like, "We are not dying here. I'm going home." Like, it's like a, I don't I feel like it's, I don't know if it's the Jamaican in you. Well, I mean, well, I mean, like I'm not Jamaican. What I mean is like the black. You know what I mean? It's just like, just yeah, because like, you're not even from the right yeah. part of Africa to be. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's just, it's just like the black in me. Like we're all from the same beautiful continent, and the black in me was mm-hmm. just like, ah, no, not today, Satan. We are leaving this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, uh, there is one uh, one TTRPG that I've played that I think would be interesting to sort of combined with D&D because of his emphasis on exploration not in a a threatening way uh-huh. basically it decolo- it's, it's like a non-colonialist non non um exploitative yeah, uh, I don't even because elements of D and D are inherently exploitative in terms of like yeah. I'm going to come here and take the stuff. But yeah. even if you're not coming here to take the stuff and you're yeah. just exploring, D and D has that constant the element of constant danger. Yeah, you never know when something could attack you. Yeah, which uh, speaking as an American, very much calls to mind images of Lewis and Clark uh, along with like Sacagaway exploring mm. the Louisiana territory, encountering like brown bears and mm. bison and groups of people that they don't speak their language and have no idea what's going on. It's a very, like, colonialist mindset. Although, I don't know, I'd have to talk to to people who live in environments that are less uh, what developed? I don't even know. Like In terms of like uh, architecture, where yeah. they have not just taken over the landscape yeah. and subjugated the place and been like, yeah, we paved all of this. Oh, I uh, see, yeah. And, and, ba- and it's still theoretically possible to encounter... Uh, like a, an animal that can just straight up kill you. Like regularly, it's possible to just walk out and without going too far, encounter something that would happily kill and eat you. Um, so it's, is it, how does, does that element of like a random encounter where, oh, I'm out doing something and oh, there's a hyena or uh, yeah. like I happened to pick the wrong spot. Yeah. Does that still translate to those environments as well? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, um, so it's like, not purely colonialist then. Yeah, yeah, and there's and there, yeah, and there's also like kind of like a as a kid you're always taught like little tricks like some people have managed to survive and they pass down their trick like um mm. crouch down on all fours or if you run into a warthog or a boar um a lot of those kind of like wild um hogs don't have peripheral vision so just step to the side um oh, wow. yeah like just step out of its as it charges step out of its eyeline like jump mm-hmm completely but wait until the right moment so that it has no peripheral vision and then fuck off which is really tight (laughs) like that's really tight that is uh that is a quick time event yeah it's a very quick (laughs) time event you have to time it very high high decks like high decks um hogs are bad hogs are bad news man really bad news yeah so yeah there's you're gored by a warthog is not fun. It's not a fun way to go. Um, but yeah, so there there is that element of like danger, you, or at least pigs do. I don't know yeah. if warthogs do. But I don't wild know. Hogs will straight eat you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. There was a uh, there was there was an issue with that. The Battle of Antietam in the Civil War took place, which is the bloodiest. Uh, I, think it, I think it still is the bloodiest single day in American history. Uh, the it took place, I think, near a farm, Ooh. and in the night, all the pigs came out, and they could hear people, like the wounded that hadn't been gathered yet, like, screaming. It was not good. It was <gasps> not, not good. Oh, not, not, no. Not, 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 not good. Um, but anyway, that that's an interesting thing to bring up then, because okay. I, I think the idea of, like, viewing nature as a potential threat... At yeah. any time yeah. is often I've I've at least heard it characterized as a colonialist mindset. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Like if I lived near jaguars and giant otters and caimans and uh, and what, what do they have? Do they have boa constrictors or anacondas in the Amazon? I cannot remember. But like and poison dart frogs and Brazilian wandering spiders and like all these different things that look in the United States we have brown bears and black bears and if you're in like the right or wrong spot moose, uh, mm. bison mm. that can really mess you up. But some it, scary cats, I don't know, man. a couple of wild cats out there as well. Yeah, but dude, a, a mountain lion cannot compete with a jaguar. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah, not yeah, the yeah. same. Jaguars yeah, yeah, are bigger yeah. than leopards. People don't yeah, realize yeah, this. Yeah, They're yeah. the third largest cat yeah, in the yeah, world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, you don't want to be like hunting yeah. than the other two, the other exactly, bigger ones. Exactly. Like, if you also like think about areas like India, like where I suppose a lot of like um, a lot tiger of modern, attacks. Like, yeah, tiger attacks. I saw a video of that once. There was it was like somebody some people had like paid for a car safari or something and a lady I think it was like her mom was having some kind of a, a difficulty yeah. of some kind so the lady got out of the car and had opened the door or something to help her mom yeah a tiger just walks in from the back grabs the lady snatches her and is gone yeah. and she she ended up dying yeah it yeah. just like it grabbed her around the midsection she's like Wah! yeah and that's it yeah I mean like in South Africa as well we've got a lion park and um some couple were going in and he was explicitly told not to get out of your car and yeah, i found this on Afri- like the the international reaction was like oh my god shakara what a terrible beast and the local reaction was like you got out the car to pet a lioness's cubs in the presence what? of a lioness no. like in the presence of a lioness no. and then they were like oh we need to like put the lioness down and the government was like no what? no no <laughs> The lion lion. No. The lion was a lion. Like yes. you as That's the human committee. Yeah. The, the lion, lion did its job. was a lion. Like I don't know. 
Uh, what do you want? Just a general PSA. Never, ever, ever approach an animal's young. young with the parent there. What are you doing? It's not a good idea. No matter the animal, you are potentially asking for a fight. It's that's foolish. I, did you see the video of the lioness playing tug of war with like nine guys? She's just standing there looking pretty casual, holding on to the other end of the rope. <laughs> like, I, I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, anyway, that to say. Uh, oh, and uh, one last thing. Actually, one ad- well, this is a really cool adaptation people have made in India. Yeah. They, they figured out that because tigers are ambush hunters, yeah. if you wear a mask on the back of your head that looks like a face uh-huh. that will usually deter a tiger attack ah, because the tiger will think you're looking, looking at, at them clever yeah. you see you figure out yeah. ways to work with nature and try to yeah. survive because you have to trick a tiger there's no way you're going toe to toe with that thing yeah exactly uh it was but yeah anyway yeah okay so that of all that to say (laughs) um wander home is a really good game that is all about exploration and there can be elements of danger but i think it would be interesting to basically it would be like D &D dfi wander home where you don't have to have you can ignore most of the mechanical things unless you happen to narrate an encounter yeah uh, which you can choose to like narrate, like, oh no, we get we fall into a raging river. That's because the flood. It's you know been raining a lot, and the <laughs> river is overflowing, and we got swept in, uh, and now we're trying to survive. And you you like roll a series of skill checks. Yeah. Um, killing other beings is not really. I think there's one character class. They don't use the word class. Yeah. But essentially one category of character yeah. that can kill people. But after oh. you kill a person, your character has to leave forever. Okay. So, you, are, you are shunned. You're a veteran. You're a veteran okay. of the war and you carry like your weapon with you, like uh-huh. your sword. Uh-huh. And one of your actions that you can choose to do uh, is, is that you can choose to draw your sword and kill someone. But then after that, you can never play this character again. It's like you've crossed a threshold. Yeah, it's a very, it's a really cool game. Go check out Wander Home and go check yeah. out. I've mentioned this before, but uh, go been check out. It's super cute. Yeah, go check out Daisy's Left Foot Forward podcast. It's a lot super of fun. Cute. They, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be on it. In a, I, I was on it, and it's going to be released. I think in like the next month or two. Now that I think, it, I think it's, I think it's going to come out relatively soon. So, ooh, fun times. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, that's basically, yeah, I completely agree with you, Gift of Games. I think it can be very fun and mm. potentially useful to just yeah. mix and match different mm. gaming systems to try yeah. and create one that fits your your needs and desires. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, D&D is not a perfect system. No system is yeah. perfect. Yeah, and you want to make the, the, the experience for your players at, at table as enjoyable and as immersive as possible. So whatever um, facilitates that goal, have at it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to jump on to the next question. Yeah, yeah, because we've been here for a while. (laughs) We did. Uh, It was that animal thing, but you know, we enjoyed it. We We enjoyed our stay. We enjoyed our stay. So this is from Chelsea. Okay. She said, uh, I just heard a very interesting presentation about the problems with AI recognizing, or rather not recognizing, Uh non-Caucasian people, ranging from medical diagnoses to Mm. hand sanitizer dispensers. Mm. Very thought-provoking and could be interesting to look into. Yeah, um, I, I watched a pretty fascinating documentary called Coded Bias on Netflix. Hmm. And it was all about this and about the, I think, uh, the woman who, 
Um, I'm trying, I think, I think they identify as, as female. Um, the woman who, uh, sort of like made this her MIT thesis mm-hmm. and yeah, it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious because the, the existing algorithms and codes are all generated by, you know, cishead white men. So those mm. biases exist, right? Like they will, they will be in the system. Like it's, it's inputted into the system because the people inputting it are of the, like it, that's you, how it you works. Know what, you know what I liken it to? Yeah. Uh, if you look at pictures of Jesus in Europe, like representations yeah. of, of Jesus, he looks like a European. And yeah. people are always like, why are you so Eurocentric? However, if you go to churches, say, in Africa, hmm. you'll often see a black Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Even in black communities in the United States, you will see a black yep. Jesus. If you go to Asia, you will often see an Asian Jesus being represented. Yeah. Because Both. people want to see these figures yeah. as themselves or like in a way that they can relate to. They naturally tend to think of like if you if if you just walk up to an Indian person and you're also an Indian person and you're in India and you start telling them a story about a, a yeah. character, there's a there's a good chance that both of you will picture an Indian person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is a natural tendency that humans have. Yeah, and then, then, uh, but yeah, yes, yeah, then, when then, you have it yeah. in a large yeah, scale, you've got to address that because affecting in, in a world where people address. didn't, uh, you know, weaponize uh, that that natural <laughs> instinct that people have, in a world without eugenics, uh, we would be in a different <laughs> place. But yes. racism, right? Um, it's a thing, and it yeah. seeps into everything. The bloody bastard. Yes. Um, so yeah, like, um, I, I, I get where it comes from and I'm, and I try to support as many organizations and people who try to fight against that. Um, but I think, I think it's important for more people to just to be aware of it because it is a coded bias because it it not like if it exists in those spaces, like in terms of AI struggling Mm. to recognize like, you know, people of different, um, races, um, or rather marginalized races, let's just call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Um, it then goes, you know, by extension, then those same parameters are used to judge whether you get a mortgage or not, or whether you qualify for financial aid, or like, you know what I mean? Like those are the, yeah. It's the same, it's the same thing like that. Yeah, those, the, the, it's kind of like the the way that I could simplify yeah. Yeah. The, like the way that I can simplify it because I am not a coder is that like, there's like a large pool of the algorithm, right? And the algorithm has been grown and fed by like a consortium of wizards and the consortium of wizards have largely been white cishet males who have racist mm. tendencies. And whether you're making AI or you're trying to like mm-hmm. optimize your banking system or your mortgaging system, you're drawing from that same like glorious pool of algorithm and it has far reaching effects. Mm. Yeah. I think that made sense in like a not, I'm clearly not a code away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, there's, there's two little, there's two personal examples that I can give. One is, they're both actually the same situation. Uh, there is an app that I have enjoyed playing with in the past called yeah. Portrait AI. And yeah. basically what it does is you upload a photo and mm. it turns it into like an old timey, not old timey photo, but like a, like a almost, not Renaissance, uh, like a, what would it be? Romantic era painting, I yeah. think. Like you're looking at like late 19th century. 
I think mm-hmm. what you're looking yeah. at a nineteenth like a nineteenth century portrait of you. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. It can be really fun to be like, oh, look at this yeah. person. Because some people look really, really good as nineteenth century yeah. portraits. Uh, yeah. But this app has mm. a tendency to turn Ooh. anyone who is not white into uh-huh. a white person. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This headgum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I, I don't think I, I think one time maybe. Yeah. I got it to actually make me look like a black person, but most of the time I just looked white and and I tried it with other black people. All of them. I tried it with Wesley Snipes. I tried it with Donald Glover. I tried it with Lupita Nyong'o. I, I, it's just one after another that we all turned white. Uh, so it was, it was kind of, it was, it was very funny. Oh, and I had my, my friend Eric, who's of Korean descent. Yeah. I, I, I popped him in there. He ended up looking sometimes white, but sometimes he actually retained his Asian-ness. Oh, yay. Cool. So that was nice. But this app, as I I did some research, this Mm -hmm. app was developed in Ukraine. Ah. And they were like, yeah, we basically just based it on ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Ukraine. Yeah. They're probably not going to have a really racially diverse (laughs) development team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and and, And I think that, like, there's... There is a there's a distinction between like a natural kind of 
like happenstance like that, where it's like, oh, I've mm-hmm. ba- we've based it on ourselves to then something more malevolent, which is, no, this is deliberately systematic. Like it's deliberately. Yeah. Like I don't, it, it, I don't think portrait, I don't think portrait AI is deliberately <laughs> trying to erase. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it was just like, uh, oh yeah, shit, that's a massive fucking foot and mouth oversight, right? Like, ooh, bat, like huge, ooh, uh, apologies. But like, you know, systematically, you know, forcing, um, making it harder for people of color to acquire bank loans is like a problem. Yeah, uh, that's a much bigger issue. Uh, that, that, that's I can't moment. get a 19th century portrait of myself <laughs> out of this app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And actually my friend, my Italian friend, or one of my two, well, yeah, my Italian friend uh, get, sent me a another app. Or no, I think he uploaded me, a picture of me. Mm into another app. Yeah. I can't remember if it was me or if it was them who did it mm. just to try and see. And that app turned me white. Yeah. And them and their Italian friends had been using it because it could that one would swap uh, your gender presentation. Ah. And it was very enjoyable like yeah. to look at. It was like, oh, wow, look at that. Because some people look good, other people really not yeah. uh, in, in this <laughs> app. And we we tried it on me and I was like, I, I'm a little tannish. Yeah. But I was, I was now white yeah. pretty much. It was it was weird. So I think that seems to be a problem with a lot of these apps. I don't know if they're all using the same algorithms or what the deal is, but yeah, most most human invention yeah, is, is building yeah, on previous on advancements. So so that stuff is there, and like we have to go. Oh, we have to actively code mm, it out. Yes, I agree. Uh, and that brings us to our next question uh, or topic, really, which is mm-hmm. from. Tobster. Uh, first of all, thank you, Gift of Gabes. Thank you, Chelsea. And thank Woo-hoo, you, Tobster. Thank you. Uh, they say, I would love to hear some more of Unati's Shaka Zulu-inspired campaign, whether it be some more actual play or just regular tales from the table. I have been wanting to see more anti-colonial narratives in D&D because that old-school D&D is so colonialist. Yeah, it is, right? Um <laughs> Could you hit us, please, Unati, Ooh. with uh, maybe a tale from the table? A tale from the table. I will hit you with a tale from the table, and then I will also hit you with some um, issues that I encountered in terms of using D&D as a system to try and facilitate this world that yes. I was brewing in my head. So, um, tale from the table. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. So, um, <laughs> party gonna go and fight three dragons, right? Yay. Woo-hoo. As you do. Yeah, but they're like level six. Yay. So like, well, they're what, like, what level are the dragons? Are they like adult dragons? Um, like they were adult dragons. Okay. But like, in my head, I was like, they're TPK. gonna- TPK. In my head, I was like, maybe they're just, cause like, there's a couple of DMs at my table. And I was like, they're gonna know that I'm not actually gonna kill them. But like, because what I was trying to do was A, use the dragons to set up more of like a vast um, landscape because they have this hell mm-hmm. of teleportation. I want them to like, know that yes, a lot of the story is happening with Shaka Zulu and where they are currently, but like each of these party members has needs that I've set up for them and they can go like, they can be like, and be elsewhere. And I've built that it's ready for you to explore and come back. It's fine. And it's the kind of game where, yeah, it's not a good idea to go alone, but like, the party was big enough that it could split down the middle to do two separate Mm -hmm. things. Like that was fine. But anyway, um, they go, um, I have a warlock who, (laughs) um, who sort of poisoned the, the enemy encampment, um, and without knowing literally killed the, most of the army. 
So when mm. they arrived, like the place was completely decimated. And um, Drusilla, the big bad who had been left there at the time, was a quite like a mentally unstable character as as is based on uh, Drusilla from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, so okay. we all know she's not okay. Mm-hmm. And when something doesn't go her way, she is, you know, everyone becomes an enemy. So she then turned mm-hmm. on her own people as well. And the dragons are now basically loose. Um, they ran up and they kind of caught up to this dragon. And bear in mind, it's a dragon in like 18th century Zululand. So yeah. explaining this to Shaka Zulu was like, he was like, what you mean? Like, lizard yeah, in the sky. Like- I've noticed that a lot of African mythologies don't really have clearly defined dragons. Yeah. They just have like serpent things that are dragon adjacent. Yeah. So like um, one of the things that I wanted to bring into the game was the story of Umlambo. Um, mm-hmm. She is, um, Unom Hoi is the goddess of rivers, right? Who I use in my game as, as the pantheon um, began to develop. Um, Unom Hoi is the goddess of rivers, but Umlambo is like the the sort of the the yang to that ying, like mm-hmm. the darkness. And she's like a, a, a riving, du- river dwelling kind of goddess, but monster um, mm. who runs through the rivers and, and eats children. And I think it's, oh, okay. it's 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 a story that's told to young children so that they don't fall they don't like play too close by rivers during the sort of rainy rapid season so you don't fall in and get swept swept away. I think mm-hmm. that's where that story kind of comes from, but also like forms part of the pantheon. Okay. Um, and uh, it was really fun to kind of go, oh, how am I going to like create these massive sort of serpent creatures? But anyway, back to the story. Um, mm. I then had to kind of run a game. I, ha- I had to find a ways to run a game where my party members were essentially evacuating the Zulu kingdom. And they were essentially all refugees heading towards um, uh, uh, Belete land, which is uh, where... Um, Mujaji, the Rain Queen, okay. resides, who I then sort of homebrewed into like all of the things water sorcery based. Like that is like her domain. Okay. Um, and um, she, um, the one of the party members had a horn of summoning that summons um, the wives of Belete. Um, so those are six essentially like storm sorceress warriors. So it was quite fun to sort of have them uh, going through. One of my players, Henry, was in an interesting position because historically I got to play out um, tribal rivalries between Mzaligazi's tribes and Shaka Zulu's tribe. And Shaka Zulu historically sort of pushed Mzaligazi's people up into um, southern uh, Shona land, uh, which then became Ndebele land, which is why our, like, Ndebele and Zulu are the same. Uh, so the Zulu and Zulu people and the Ndebele people are basically the same clan. Um, it was just um, essentially um, they were forced out during the crushing, during the Vexana. Um mm-hmm. And so, so some of the pitfalls that I encountered were like, you know, having a character who has a sage background and going, there's no libraries here. Like knowledge isn't housed in the same way, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it's through oral tradition rather. So then I had to create spaces and re-skim that, the way that things kind of work in D&D. Where I was like, mm. oh, because, and it was weird because I was, you know, sort of planning the setting and going bit by bit. Sometimes you're just going to encounter that pitfall in game and go, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. I haven't thought about this. Um, but it was really kind of exciting having a table of players um, 
who were like, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And half of my players were from South Africa. So it was like, give me five oh, minutes. Nice. Yeah. Give me five minutes because I have to kind of figure out, you know, how this is going to work. And I was like, oh, I don't really have to do that much. I just have to take reading time and make a talking time. Cool, 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 cool. You have to talk to the elders. That's how this works. These are the people. This is where they exist. And I'm yeah. and I'm sort of comfortable in being able to, I know the world so well because I grew up there that it was mm-hmm. easy for me to kind of riff it on the fly and make it quite beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, basically, it was just a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Um, and you kind of, in the same way that we were talking about family last week in D&D, um, because Mzilagazi and Shaka are so close, um, Henry's character, who is part of Mzilagazi's people, but is also Zulu, so has allegiance to Shaga as well, Mm-hmm. it's you kind of now I was able to create like a really lovely political layer to the game that felt like that felt really tight and in and Henry was like what am I going to do like yeah. I, I don't know what to do <laughs> but like I'm the artificer here and now Shaga wants me to like make more weapons out of these like these intruders materials Mm-hmm. And is like, maybe we shouldn't do that. But who do I, I can see the benefits of both people, both views. Uh, what do I do? So it's been really fun. It's been really fun. There you go, Tobster. There you go. <laughs> there you Ooh. have it, Tobster. Uh, yeah. I hope you enjoyed that very fun peek uh, into the world of Unati's campaign. Yeah, your first ever homebrew campaign. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's um, it's a lot of fun and interesting work. Um, and then basically, I've now been sort of taking that and working on developing that into more of like a story, like a scripted story. So like working out my pantheon has been just so much fun. Like going Mm. into the sort of African and Zulu creation story is just really, really beautiful. Mm. Um, um, Basically, Umbilingangi is God of all gods, um, was lonely um, and then created in Gulungulu from the reed. There was kind of like nothing. Um, and Ngulungulu is also God, but like kind of like God's son in a way, but created him from the reed. Um, and out of the seed, he was born. And then he saw all of these kind of creatures, humans kind of living in the muck. Mm-hmm. And then was like, hey, I'm going to teach you the ways of Isindu, the ways of like being a person. So how to build hats, how to make fire, how to uh you know farm how to like take care of yourselves and those people became the people of um izu the zulu people mm-hmm. and then like you know umam lambo unom hoi and then the mother goddess who's like the goddess of beer like it's, it's just it's mm. it's astonishing when you kind of obviously like a lot of creation stories have parallels there's always like a son you know that comes through from like the great god of gods and it was just really interesting to kind of dig into that and go oh this this is what was stolen from me like ah mm. this is what this is what the colonizer ripped away from me and it's like okay cool i can i can vibe with this so um that stuff exists and tobster if you if you want to have a look at those notes, I'm very happy to share them with you. All righty. Um, yeah, that was, that was really cool. Thank you. That was very exciting. Uh, this sounds like a really, really fun game. 
Um, and a really, really cool setting. Maybe we should revisit it on the show sometime. Yes, yes. It's it's more yeah. detailed now. There's, there's yeah. stuff happening. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But our next question is from Dweller42. Yeah. Dweller42 says, So flying PCs, I'm in a bit of a flap with some people on Twitter who are claiming they're the worst and mm-hmm. ruin everything. But I've had a couple dozen of them over the decades with very few issues. People keep saying they can scout ahead, they can bypass traps, and I just keep hearing people saying they can separate themselves from the party in a way that literally no one else in the group can duplicate. Uh, as I should rephrase, none of these are questions. I said this already, but hardly or almost none of these are questions. They're just topics yeah. that people are suggesting. Yeah, but yeah. I keep saying questions. <laughs> no, um, so imagine that there was a question mark at the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> they can separate themselves from the party in a group that no one else can d- duplicate. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a, the universal noise for, <laughs> for question mark. Um. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with flying feces. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you just said flying feces. And I was like, I mean, okay, okay. Cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> no, I very much said flying feces. Um, but um, yeah, I have no issue with them. I, you know, you know, mechanically, they are balanced in a way. Yeah, they offer some, yeah. they, they're, they're balanced and, you know, as a DM, if a player wants to bring somebody who can fly and, you know, are a croaker or a bard, I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it, you know? Um, yeah. And then it beca- I feel like that's a DM problem. Like, deal with it. I don't know. Like, make it work. Yeah, I, I can see where it does add it. It adds an element of complication. Yeah. Absolutely. There are a lot of low-level enemies that are unable to attack a uh, to effectively attack a flying opponent so if if you can fly and you also have spells or you have ranged attacks there's a whole lot of monsters that are just out of luck yeah but i kind of i i I mean i understand that and i guess you know dependent on like whether the if the setting um has already been fully fledged and you are inviting players into it and obviously like talking to them about their characters, but you are kind of slotting them into a world that like really exists. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes Jeremy, the way that you create worlds is like you kind of, it's kind of in tandem, right? Like um, mm-hmm. you've got an idea for something and then players bring stuff. So if you're working in that way, I see, I don't see why you would have a lot of pit- pitfalls with having flying yeah. PCs because You'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You want to fly? Great. Like, I'm just going to adjust some things. Whereas, if you've yeah. already got this hard and fast world that you've built, and like these are the kind of enemies you're going to want to have, I can see why that's going to be a problem. But I guess, yes. like, just you know, on your mirror in like Sharpie, don't make it like permanent Sharpie. Like, maybe like something that you can rub off. Are just there erasable like, Sharpies? Yeah, I thought all got, Sharpies yeah. were permanent. Oh uh, well, I mean, sh- do you yeah. mean marker? Do you yeah, mean like marker? marker? Yeah, like like oh, okay. get like a marker and write on your mirror but what if I could fly? <laughs> and every time you make an encounter, like, yeah. or you do something that you prep in the game, just like ask yourself, but what if I could fly? And, and here's then, the thing. Like, you know, if, if there are that. people in your, yeah, if there are people in your world who can fly, yeah. and it's not just this one person. Yeah. Then other people will have developed countermeasures. Yeah. So sure. Maybe the giant rats can't kill the flying people. 
But if they fight actual humanoids or monsters that are have are like have adapted to facing flying foes, yeah, then you don't really have a problem. You just come up with contingency plans. Maybe Earthbind is a really popular spell. Maybe people carry ranged weapons just for these sorts of occasions. Uh, Maybe Magic Missile is a really popular spell. Like you just can't miss. Yeah, you know things like that. There's all sorts of maybe people have modified spells to be like specifically anti person anti flying personnel hey like spells and measures maybe, maybe the caves maybe the cave roofs have spikes exactly or maybe your like battalion has like an aracrocra freaking division i mean like come on yeah like maybe that yeah what, like, aerial combat aerial how other much people fun fly is that too <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it's like well we fly and there's 15 of us so, so yeah maybe you better land <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> all of our weapons are good at fighting stuff in the air in yeah. fact, we're specifically designed to kill airborne stuff. So you're actually better off if you're on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can balance it. So, I mean, I, I understand, like, what it... Because, um, Jeremy, when do you, do you have any idea, like, when were the sort of Aracroca introduced into the game? Are they like an OG? Ooh, I'm going to look this up. I don't know what edition. Ooh. they were. I know that they're not a fifth edition. Okay. Edition, or at least I'm pretty sure they're not a fifth edition. Oh, oh, Aarakocra have existed since first edition. I don't know if okay, they were well, playable in first yeah. edition, but they've existed. My goodness, that is a withered, elderly-looking, grizzly. <laughs> that is a that is an ugly Aarakocra. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this in the chat so that you can see this. This is something right here. Check this thing out. Oh. It's not letting me do it. Oh, I'll do dad. it again. I'll try it again. I'll okay, try it again. Okay. Okay, I'm going to cool. copy and paste this image. I'm going to copy and paste it. Yes! yes. Okay, click on that, goodness. Yeah, I'm going to save this. This has to go in the episode description. That's... Uh, uh, Ooh. Uh. Ooh. What See is what that? I mean? That's, like, that's, that's an Aarakocra. Ooh. That's like... That's an Aarakocra on meth. Yeah. It looks like it's either wise or it's a crackhead. It's definitely a crackhead. That looks that, yeah, like, if I saw that coming at me and on the street I would run like that's, that's a crackhead. That's where the Eric Erico crackhead. <laughs> An Eric crackhead. Yes. Absolutely. That's, this is yeah. the this is I think from the second edition. Ooh, this is the on, second edition version. Uh, Not much better. Yeah, this ooh, is a 2E Erico no oh that's like that's giving me strong old greg vibes <laughs> i'm old greg like that's like that's freaking me out like a lot that's like, that's not okay yes. that'll haunt my dreams <laughs> i don't know when they were playable i don't know how yeah. long they've been okay. a playable race yeah but they have existed since first edition okay so i guess it's one of those things where like a monster was then turned into a playable race okay cool fine fair enough I'm guessing that's what it, I, that that doesn't look like a playable race. No, right? that's, the yeah, early yeah. versions mm, do not like, look mm, like playable. Mm, Who would want to play that? I don't think many people would want to play that. <laughs> um, and I like every time anyone has ever picked an arrow croaker, they always like just in my in my experience, they've always described like a beautiful majestic bird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, never that. Never that, that looks <laughs> looks like a partially plucked bird. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like how all birds when you when you take away their feathers look uncomfortably scrawny yeah it's, it's like just, that it's, it's like not, it's like ugh. an owl you've ever seen a plucked owl yeah it's like that's really weird it's like why you look like that underneath that it's a terrible sight 
It's a terrible, terrible sight. It's so they look like fetuses. They look horrible. fetal. It's so they, horrible. It's awful. It's so, um, so yeah, that's ooh. Um, anyway, yeah, I agree. I yeah. fully agree. I don't think that flying PCs are really that big of an issue yeah. if you, as a DM, come in with a creative mindset. Now, yeah. look, if you just don't want to allow flying PCs in your world for whatever reason. Okay, that's fine. But yeah. I think it can be an interesting adaptation that people can have. Like, an, an, an interesting um, element to add in. Yeah. Because, like, when you have a world where people can fly around, are there regulations on this? Yeah. Are there flying cops? Exactly. Are there like, flying guards, yeah, I guess, Yeah, like, what's, what's airspace like? You know what I mean? Like, people have people considered that? Like... Yeah. You would have to... You can come up with, like, weather mechanics. Yeah. So if you throw inclement weather in there... Yeah. Well, flying around may be uh, a little bit tough. Exactly. Exactly. What if you're flying around, like, like you know, like, like London yesterday. It's been a sunny day, and then all of a sudden, you're in flight, and the sky is open. Like, and yeah. it just pisses down the rain. <laughs> There's also the question of how are they flying? Because yeah. Aarakocra, I believe, yes, Aarakocra have arms. Like, yeah. that's the, their arms are their wings. Yeah. So if it's an Aarakocra that's flying around, can it use a bow? Because its arms are occupied. Yeah. So that means it's having to use, like, its taloned feet to try and shoot bows at people. Yeah. Is that really a reasonable expectation to have? Yeah, exactly. Like, you could if you really wanted to. I mean, I feel like at that point you're just complicating things further. But yeah. if you wanted to throw in some complications, you could to make yeah. it be like, okay, rather than just being a broken character who can just be like, fine, I'm going away. You fly away. You and could like, add some complications. What about like levels of exhaustion? Like how far can they fly? And for how long? That's a good question. Flying, yeah. yeah. Are they like an albatross where they can just fly forever? Yeah. Or are they more like a like uh say harpy eagles that yeah. with short wings that are extremely good at navigating forests, yeah. but may not have the same level of like soaring ability that yeah. other eagles have because yeah. their wings are shorter. Yeah. So there's like yeah, if they're in a forest for example, flying around how does that work? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of interesting Think things. about it, man. Just like apply like a moment of thought and you should be fine. Like I said, take a marker and what if I could fly? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun things you can do. And yeah. I would highly suggest don't just constantly be like, but you can't fly here. Because like once or twice, okay, but then it just gets old. Yeah, but also like you can do that in a way more creative way. You could be like you walk into densely thicketed jungle. Right. So are you are you like a harpy eagle or is it like your wings are so broad that if you try to fly, you have to make acrobatics checks to not crash into things? Actually, we had that in our campaign. I don't think you were there for that session, Mm. Unati, but there was uh, Genevieve. uh, We have a we have a a tiefling, a winged tiefling. And the tiefling was trying to fly in and out of a heavily forested park Mm. and had to, like, make acrobatics checks. And I think failed all of them and just kept crashing into trees. She would Mm. like. Get scra- she'd make it through, but she'd get all scraped up and, and take a bunch of damage whenever she tried to go through. Oh, wow. Uh, she'd be just cracking herself on all sorts of exactly. battles. But anyway, that's what we have to say about flying PCs. Yeah. Um, we are both, I guess, pro-flying PCs. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, like we're pro-flying. Yeah, I'm very much pro. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next topic mm. is Nandor. Okay. Nandor Donovan. Yeah. Uh, so... I just, it's not even a question. I said question, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did say question. I did. I, come on, Jeremy. It's okay. Get your head in the game. It's buddy. okay. Just go, hmm, at the end it will be fun. Okay. 
Oh wait, no! This is a question! Oh yeah! This is a question! Oh, yes. a question! Okay, cool. So I just had a random fun thought. We obviously talk about inclusion in American products, but what about products from other places? Is there an inclusion discussion to be had about Japan? Or games and movies developed in Europe? Yeah, um, I think so. I think I think I think it, as long as we're all working towards inclusion together, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my uh, the answer is yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> the answer to the question is yes. Absolutely. Uh, there's there's absolutely an inclusion discussion to be had yeah. about Japan. If yeah. you look at Japanese representation of other cultures, it's not a whole lot better of other cultures' representations of yeah. Japan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, any culture that is primarily, um, what's the word, racially monolithic, that's mm. not the phrase that's normally used, but I feel like it's accurate, yeah. that is is heavily concentrated in one specific ethnicity, uh, then any culture that has that feature is yeah. going to probably struggle to represent other groups of people yeah. because they just don't have very many of those people. For so, sure. And, and, and that's changing as we move f- further towards kind of like a globalized field just in general and, you mm-hmm. know, you know, travel and, and cross-cultural yeah. sharing and people wanting to go and like live and in Asia or people wanting from Asia wanting to go live in other countries. We're going to start sharing stuff and it's going to get all lovely and soupy and delicious. Hmm. Uh, you prefer your soup to be brown instead of multicolored. I mean, like brown with like loads of multicolored chunks in it. Ah, there we go. Okay, that's interesting. Like, um, that sounds fun. Yeah. Some multicolored chunks. Also, sounds kind of terrifying. Yeah. This soup metaphor is maybe I like it, but it's also terrifying. Yeah, it's also kind of terrifying because then you could be like, "Is this people soup? What's happening here?" Yeah. Yeah. But yes, the answer is that there's uh, there are absolutely issues with uh, representation in other cultures. The main issue is that America made D and D, and America is the biggest cultural force in the world right now in terms of just what America produces being consumed by the rest of the world. Yeah. There's no place that can quite compete with that uh, yet, yeah. currently. Yeah. So uh, until that changes, most of the discussion is going to be centered around the United States. Yeah. And how the United States tackles or deals with issues of inclusion. Yeah. But yes, there yes. absolutely are conversations to be had, and those conversations should be had. Yes. Go read some old Tin Tin books. Yeah. You will see America oh. is not the only place oh. that has issues of representation. Oh. Look at just about any black person in an anime. Mm-mm. You will see America is mm. not the only place mm-hmm. that has issues of representation. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I, I'm just going to be like, I'm, I'm put, putting this out there. Google, just Google Gollywog. Oh, yes. Just just Gollywog. Have yeah, fun with that. That's, uh... Yeah. Uh, oh, there's actually a friend of mine was uh was was do, touring a show and was staying in digs and the sweet <gasps> old lady just had a collection of Gollywog. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> and did did your friend talk about them at all yeah, to the lady? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> oh, what did she say? What did the lady say? I can't remember like the whole like story, but I just know that it got like weirdly uncomfortable and just like was oh, it like they're really cute? Like, I just like they're like really them. cute. I just really like them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a, here's the thing. A lot of people grew up with having a gollywog doll, yeah. and they were a little kid, and yeah. they just thought it was a cute little cute doll yeah. they could play with. Yeah. Stuff doll yeah and it they just still have it there's actually there's an episode of the show mm-hmm. extras Ooh. where 
where <laughs> the the one of the main characters is she goes on a date with a black guy that they're yeah. working with and she yeah. wants they're like gonna hook up and she uh-huh. brings him back Ooh, to her place and yeah. as they're like making out and uh-huh. things are moving very fast in a sexual mm-hmm. direction she glances at at her dresser mm-hmm. and she has a gollywog doll from oh when god. she was a child just sitting out and she's like oh, oh my god and immediately gets so uncomfortable um, and is trying to explain like no 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 it's a, I don't remember what she does as what she says exactly but the thing with extras is it always they always dig the hole deeper go watch it's the Samuel L Jackson episode of extras uh, he Samuel L Jackson doesn't play that black guy but he is in it and yeah. it's the scene that he's in is gloriously cringy it's so uncomfortable because she goes to try and apologize to the black guy from the night before Mm -hmm. and she goes up to him on set and she's like i just want to apologize yeah Uh, but she doesn't she walks up and she just says i just wanted to say i hate reggae and he's like what because she was like talking to herself she was talking i think she was talking to herself and then talking to ricky gervais about like look i'm not racist like i don't i i don't but like i like plenty of black stuff that pe- I like black people I liked him uh, I, I, I don't okay I don't like reggae and I hate jazz uh, I hate reggae I, I don't like it at all I don't enjoy it and so she walks up to him and she's like I just wanted to say I hate reggae and he's like okay I don't I don't really like oh. reggae much either and she's like oh great great cool. I hate jazz too <laughs> and she and she, he's like uh okay and Ooh. like samuel l jackson like walks up at some point and she's starts talking about like and that that one black man with the big bulging eyes who plays the the trumpet thing and uh, just starts doing an impression and samuel l jackson's like yeah it's louis armstrong it's she's like yeah yeah uh sasquatch and he's like uh and it's so uncomfortable and ricky gervais seeing this tries to swoop in and be like uh tries to save it and she then compliments samuel l jackson for his performance in the matrix and it all goes downhill from there uh wow but yeah it it, it is is brutally uncomfortable wow uh, that's pretty much extras in a nutshell i mean it's yeah. just <laughs> yeah. so awkward it's so awkward <laughs> uh but very very funny yeah. i do love that show uh, yeah, and then our our I guess final question topic yeah uh, is it actually uh, it's a follow up uh-huh. on a previous topic that we had discussed. This yeah. is from Eldritch Puffin, and okay. they said, "Listening to the episode on Family Now, and I got so excited when y'all started talking about the push and pull that results from having family oriented characters. Yeah, that is the way it can add to or pull them away from other stories." Yeah. I would have loved for the episode to dwell more on that topic and on ways of managing or navigating those dynamics. Okay. Uh, the pivot to raising baby dragons was delightful, and subsequent discussion was also great, but that particular thing is something I've run into a cu- in a couple of games now, as a DM and player both, and don't hear discussed often. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, I think I'm always, like, putting stuff in my game where I'm like, please separate. Like, I promise I won't kill you. Like, I swear I'm not going to kill you. It's just because, you know, especially if your party members do not know each other, they have affiliations elsewhere. It's just a fact. Right. Like if they weren't, like if they didn't come from the same region or whatever, they come from somewhere disparate in your world. They just don't know each other. They're going to have different needs, values and priorities and of course, unless you like 
create like a kind of monolith of like darkness and evil in your game that they that has caused all of their suffering equally right mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard so, often to keep them all on the same task yes. and and if a character if a player rather sorry let me say if a player starts to get really immersed and engaging with their character and engaging with with their um their connections in their world and life and the relationships that they build or the relationships that they've built in their backstories you i really want that level of engagement in my game mm-hmm. so i have always like gone into a, like a session where like i've planned the session like they're going to go to the big bad but if this one character takes the bait and goes and tries and saves her sister in Namibia, A, mm-hmm. I know I know the party have a helm of teleportation. I can get them close enough. B, I know I've built in an NPC in here that I like they're gonna like just very subtly bait it, but they can help them get it. Like there is mm-hmm. a way, there is an arc yet. I'm not like I've made a plan. And C, I've set up enough NPCs in this area who are badass, they can hold the fort for two days. Like, it's not a problem. And if something bad does happen because of a role or some kind of consequences, that's just how the game's going to play out. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to have a whole new set of priorities. Cool. That's fine. I like that. I like tension. I like the drama. That's what I want. So I think it's like in my planning, I will have planned the session. And then I have like a little pocket world plan. I'm like, I know, like, I know that section of my world back to front. And it's quite, I'm also very lucky that I'm drawing on a world that already exists. All I have to do is just look at the images of the place online. I'm like, right, you come to a desert. You come to the most beautiful desert you've ever seen. And there's an ocean at the end of it. Like, you're at it like, do you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, I can describe how this, how the light hits the, hits the white sand and, how, right. you know, the, the heat and how, desperately cold it is at night and the mm-hmm. creatures that are around there, the sounds that you hear, because it's, it's easy for me to draw on. If you have, if you're having to generate all of that stuff yourself, um, you know, it, 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 it's one thing, but like, like we've said before, in terms of planning, just get like a key, like key hook things around that, have your little pocket world ready. Um, no, if like for me, it was, it was about, okay, cool. I've set up the fact that they're sending people off on ships, um, uh, to like work this area. Um, it's one of like, it's, it's like one of the places where the big bad is keeping essentially slaves, um, you know, to work on this like power source that he's trying to generate. Um, mm-hmm. this is the kind of, these are the kind of rudimentary, uh, holding cells that they've been able to build with what's around them, blah, blah, blah. Like that's all, like, that's what I need to know. And how many men are there and how is mm-hmm. it defended? That's it. And then you let the party come in and do what they need to do. I have had that planned for my party for over a year. (laughs) (laughs) They just don't want to go. They had the hell of teleportation for over a year? Yeah, I'm like, you've had it. Just go. I mean, in in real time. Like, in real time, not in, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, just go. You have it. That's crazy. (laughs) Just go. (laughs) 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 That's That's why I gave you one. That's really funny, though. Yeah. I have to say that is really funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah I think uh, another way of doing this Ooh. is if people are getting drawn over to family stuff, you can have little digressions Ooh. now and again, as Unati was saying, and you can also just make their family part of the events. 
Yeah. You can be like, oh, yeah, this big thing that's happening, well, it affects your family, too. So, like, while they're visiting the family, it's Ooh. like they, either they have something that's very pressing that they have to get back to Ooh. or something else shows up. Ooh. And it's like it, it says to them, it says to the players, hey, if you do not address this larger issue, your parents are going to die. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill him right now cool. unless you go back. Because <laughs> essentially what you're telling the players yeah. is like, look, look. this is the, that the, um, that uh, one example of that. Yeah. Kind of was there was a, a couple of the characters got it was a character married an NPC. Yeah. And at the I had the wedding get attacked. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And it was like, look. This is touching you right where, like, right where you live. Yeah. This is touching everybody you care about. Yeah. If you don't address this, yeah, everybody gonna die. Yeah, pretty much. So you cannot. On this just... very special day. <laughs> yes, yeah. and not and and then even if you win today, it's the problem's still bigger. Yeah, and you gotta go look at this. Now you can take a couple of digressions. You yeah. absolutely can. Yeah, but you now know. With no in no uncertain terms, yeah. if if you do not address this, it will have dire consequences for everyone you care about. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It's that's essentially that's another way of doing it. Yeah. No, so for sure. whatever whatever your big threat is, it's like oh, there's dragons everywhere. Yeah. Cool. Have a dragon attack the town yeah. while they're <laughs> while they're visiting their parents. Yeah. The dragon just shows up like, <laughs> and it's like oh no. Uh, something yeah, they don't right. have to save not only do they do they risk losing their parents but they now yeah. have to fight a dragon and we've established now that dragons are a very very credible threat exactly. these things are everywhere exactly. that, yeah there's a lot of different things you can do yeah um or if you're trying to add that also is by the way answering the part of this the the issue uh that eldritch puffin raised Ooh. which is that it can add to the other stories yeah so Having the uh, having the larger issues Ooh. affect the family uh, creates greater stakes. Yeah. Um, it's like seasoning your steaks. Yeah, that's really what it is. you're I, seasoning the steaks. Yeah, because now people are like, ooh, ooh, this, now I really care. Now you really all the people care. I care about are being threatened by this thing. Exactly. Like I'm just dreaming into like a world in which like you know you're actually making some headway against the big bad and the big bad is starting to notice these five like warriors right or six mm -hmm. warriors and like you could as a big bad like send a big force to attack them or you could send like your best assassin rogue to go yeah. and seek out their family and threaten them on pain of death to stop the heart osborne first we attack the, the heart. heart like go yes. for the jugular but dudes like really go for it and get their family in there and like even if it's only like one like party member's family like because it's connected to the main plot it's going to be pretty easy to get your party members rallied up to go and sort this out because you could trap this assassin and ask questions like you know mm -hmm. there's there's there, there there's a, a hook there a lure there yeah, yeah, absolutely. It like it, so many it, ways, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that can yeah. be really good out yeah. there. In fact, in that one campaign, the character's husband ended up being part of like the huge evil plot. They were like trying <gasps> to capture. Yeah, it turns out that the big bad had actually contributed to creating <gasps> the husband. Uh, cause he was like a half shifter, half tiefling, but neither of his parents were tieflings and they were like, we didn't make any deal. And their community had been like, you're evil and tried to kill him and chased. And we don't know what became of the parents. We never actually found out. Who knows? They're not around anymore, seemingly. So, okay. but it turned out that the big bad had actually made a deal with, I think Moloch. 
and had gone around and was like, through some kind of arcane means, was infusing tiefling, like, like, uh, de- devil blood mm. into, like, basically, I guess, fetuses. Oh, wow. And without their parents' knowledge, like, just magically creating tieflings all over the place to try and build an army for Moloch. And this guy was one of those. Uh, one of those children and that was why and it was and this guy was trying to capture him so that he could use him as a vessel to summon Malar the Beast Lord and all this stuff but yeah it was yeah. like it was a, it was it, it made the whole thing way more emotional for everybody because now they're like oh this guy we like is about to get turned into a beast monster oh wow we, we have to go stop him yeah. Uh, it's not just an apocalyptic event anymore. Yeah. It's an, apop- an apocalyptic event with my buddy. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. There. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that, hopefully that addressed yeah. the topic adequately, Eldritch Puffin. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy too. I hope you're all happy. <laughs> you, Eldritch Puffin. You, Nandor Donovan. Dweller Forty Two. Yeah. Tobster. Chelsea. Gift of Gapes. I hope you're all very happy that we addressed your very interesting and thoughtfully posed issues. Yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you to to all of you, though. Very much. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Those are really really cool topics. Yeah. There there was lots of um, uh, meat there. Yeah. And if you would like to suggest a topic, uh, you can do so via our Discord. Uh, I will be uh, including a link to join the Discord in the episode description, uh, along with hopefully the both of the images of the old school first edition wow. and second edition Aarakocra. The, uh, they, <laughs> there's something, folks. Wow. They're really something. Really scary. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening thank to you. this episode of Three Black Halflings. Folks, we just opened a whole new merch store. Yeah, go, go check get that the merch. out. That's definitely going to be in the episode description. Yeah. Go check out the merch. There's some pins. We got a shirt. Got some I hoodies. Think. Yeah, we got a shirt. Got stickers. We got a hoodie. You stickers. Yeah. Go look at it. Have a look. Go it's look a vibe. at it now. Yeah. There's right now. packs of stickers right immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Stop whatever don't, you do. Don't. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> go look at it. Go look at it. You heard me. Yeah. One. Two, I better not get to five, three, four, so long, Shire Folk! That was a HeadGum Podcast.